so in the table, um, go ahead and sign up. Um, there are some slots left. Also, uh, wanted to make sure everybody know that if you depend on our radio broadcast, um, if anybody's listening to this on the radio broadcast, uh, we are ending that um, August 7th. So you can get your worship here in the sanctuary and also online on our website. I'm a little uncomfortable talking about myself, but I'm supposed to let you know that today from 3 to 5 in the fellowship hall, you can come and you can meet me and my family, and it's a good chance for us to see you, to meet you. I've met some of you kind of sporadically, different places, um, but please come to that and let us say hello and show our gratitude for having us here. A blessing of the backpacks is July 31st, so we're asking all kids to bring their backpacks. Also, um, there are kids in our community that do not have backpacks or school supplies, so we'll be taking those donations as well. And the details are in your bulletin. Also in your bulletin are details about August 7th. That's coming up. It's almost August. It will be August in just a few weeks. Um, rally Sunday, it's Sunday School Sunday, Promotion Sunday, uh, so please read your bulletin about that, and Meg is, Reverend Junis is, is, uh, has all that information, so see her um, for details. And now, let's prepare ourselves, our minds, our hearts, our souls for worship.
Let us remember the deeds of the Lord. The way of God is holy. And now while we are standing, let us say together what we believe. We'll use the Apostles' Creed. It's found in Selection 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.
Please be seated. And I'll invite you to join me as we pray our colic and the Lord's Prayer. They're found printed in your order of worship. Almighty God, whose wondrous deeds have set us free, grant that we might always delight in our devotion to you. For our happiness is perpetual and full if we are continually serving the author of all good. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, we now pray as your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now I welcome you again to worship this morning at Central, and we are so glad to have you here in person. And also, those who are joining us over the radio, we're glad to have you join us also. I want to remind you to take a look and find that pew pad at the end of your pew, and go ahead and write your name down and pass it along, greet your neighbor and welcome them, and um, just be glad that we're here in fellowship with one another. I want to invite you to all the ministries that are happening in the church this week and the next, and if you have any questions at all about those ministries or about joining us or joining Central, please call the church office and one of the clergy would love to talk with you and answer any questions that you might have. Um, That's exciting for us. I, um, now I'm going to ask Katra Skinner to come up and read our Old Testament lesson this morning. Good morning. Today's reading is from Amos, chapter 7. Verses 7 through 17, and this is from the New Revised Standard Version. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to King Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the very center of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all of his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took from the following flock, the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Your wife shall become a prostitute in the city, And your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be parceled out by line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, 
and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson this morning is from the um, letter to Colossians, from the first chapter, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it 
and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Ephraphus, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we learned it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong in all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our act of praise is from Psalm 82 this morning. You will find it in selection 804 in your hymnal, and I'll invite you to stand as you are able and join me. God is seated in the divine council and in the midst of the God's holds judgment. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Please be seated. And I'm going to invite all of the children, even the older ones, up here to the chancel rail with me. Come on. There you go. There you are. Now have a seat. And I'm also going to invite Pastor Ann to come up here with us, too. Come sit beside me, Pastor Ann. <laughs> Do you see somebody new today in our congregation? Yes. Kind of, sort of. You've already met her, haven't you? <laughs> um, so today I want to talk to you just a little bit about praying for other people. That's called intercessory prayer. When we pray for other people, and you hear us do that a lot as a congregation, do you do that at home? Do you pray for other people? Who do you pray for, maybe? Maybe your parents? Yeah. Maybe your grandmama? No. Yeah. <laughs> he said yes. 
All right. Well, today I'm going to ask each of you to join me in prayer for Pastor Anna. She starts her ministry here at Central with us. It's exciting, isn't it? Will you all stand up and come and lay hands? You've seen pastors do this. Come on, come on, stand up and lay hands on her, just on her shoulder right here. There you go. You can put it on her knees there. And just pray with me, okay? I'll pray. Dear Lord, we lift our hearts in gratitude for this, our new pastor, Anne. And we ask that you bless her and her family as they settle into Florence and come into ministry with us here at Central. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to pray for others. And thank you for Anne and her ministry. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all did a great job. Okay, y'all.
Our gospel reading this morning is from Luke's gospel, chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. He took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. So, which of these, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. So it's good to be here with you this morning. I think one or two of you were not here last week. Just a few. Just a couple. I understand a lot of you travel on the uh, week of 4th of July. and Last Sunday was no exception. And um, I know having lived in Merle's Inlet for 13 years and Blaine United Methodist is my home church... A lot of you go to the beach, right? And a lot of you drive to wherever you happen to be going. But I want to ask you, on your drive, were you ever afraid to stop out of fear for your life? The setting of this parable that Jesus uses to teach us about what it means to love a neighbor and who a neighbor is his setting is a, is a road that is so dangerous you do not want to travel alone. It's not a road that you take to vacation. It's not a road to loiter or sightsee along the way. You see, on this dangerous road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, it wasn't just physically dangerous. It was dangerous because thieves and robbers were hiding along the way. They were behind rocks at every bend in the road just waiting to pounce on their prey. And on this road, on this day, as Jesus tells this parable, as he's answering the question that's uh, been asked to test him, there are four men. They are all on their way to somewhere. Because when you travel this road, you're doing it for a specific purpose. They are all on their way. They all have an agenda. They all have an end goal in mind. And of these four, one man's day was disrupted. As he became the victim of robbers who stole from him, beat him, and left him half dead. The next man is a priest, a Jewish priest, 
He's coming down the road. He sees this man that's half dead, which means he could possibly be dead. He sees him, goes to the other side of the road, and passes on by. And then the next man is a Levite. He too sees this man, is aware of him, chooses to keep his agenda, his timetable, and his end goal. And so instead he passes by on the other side of the road. Now we know that whenever Jesus is using a parable or teaching, everything that he says is for a reason. He's using a rhetorical device here. Now you know an IQ test, they test our ability to think sequentially. And so it's, they, they have these questions where they'll list something and then something that's like that. And then the answer, you'll have some choices, right? It's multiple choice and you have to pick the thing that follows logically in sequence with the other two things. This is what Jesus is using. He starts out with the priest. The priest is the person who would be the most likely to stop and help the man. You see, he is bound by the law. We just said it in the psalm. This, this law goes way back. It's not just what Jesus taught, but he was obligated to stop, to, to help the needy, the weak, the sick, the hungry. And yet he goes on by without stopping. So the next most logical person that would stop and help would be a Levite. Now, if a, if a priest was more like a pastor than a Levite, we could roughly compare to a leader in the church, a lay leader, or uh, some officer in the church. He doesn't stop either. Both are not only bound by law, but it's their occupation and their calling to help other people. So in this device that Jesus is using, if a priest doesn't stop, the Levite doesn't stop. Who is the next logical person to stop? His audience would be thinking, oh, it's going to fall to a common everyday Jew. That's the logical answer. On an IQ test, it would be something like this. Apple, orange, and your choices are a banana, a brick, or a tree. Apple, orange, banana. That's not what Jesus does. Because this is a parable, right? Parables are, uh, he doesn't teach them to uphold uh, the way things are, the status quo. They're to shock people, right? To wake us up. To disintegrate the walls that are around our hearts. To turn upside down everything that we think we know. So Jesus doesn't go apple, orange, banana, Levi, a priest, Levite, and just common, everyday, faithful Jewish person. What he does is more like apple, orange, and not even brick or tree. Apple, orange, pesticide. <laughs> Samaritan belongs nowhere in this story. There is such deep division between uh, the Jewish people and Samaritans. It, it runs deeper even than the divisions that separate us in this country right now. Because it goes to the very DNA and the identity of the Jewish people, which is their religious DNA. And the separation between them and the Samaritans was nearly completely about which God they worshipped and how they worshipped. And yet, that's exactly who Jesus uses in this parable to teach us what it means to love and who we are to love. So, a young man that I had the privilege to serve with a few months ago on a weekend youth retreat, he told a story 
about his experience being a law student at law school. And like a lot of college students, grad students, he was barely fitting in the basics of life, right? Eating, sleeping, studying, and making it to class on time. He said it was all he could do. He was rushing everywhere. He was coming to class on two wheels, barely running in right before the professor was beginning his lecture. Can anybody relate to that? Yes. He was in a rush everywhere he went. He had a daily routine to get to class. He was always in a hurry. He had time, just enough time to stop at a convenience store, run in, grab an energy drink and a candy bar, rush back to his car, and race to class. Every day he did this. Every day there was a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk in front of the convenience store, a bicycle with all what seemed like all of his earthly possessions leaning against the wall behind him. But every day, Jess, this is a young man, Jess, he, 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 he saw him, he barely registered in his consciousness because he was in too much of a hurry every day. He did this. Every day the homeless man was here. Every day he walked on by. He said he even gave a little bit of space. Kind of like crossing uh, on the other side of the road. Well, one day, Jess had gone into this convenience store and he was racing back to his car and he passed the homeless man. He got to his car and he realized he had locked his keys in the car. Now, he had a quandary because... Uh, A, he didn't have a spare key. This was an older car. B, he could not afford to replace a broken window that he would have to break to get into the car and get to class on time. This man that he had passed by the other side of the road so many times got up, told Jess, hold tight. He walked across a busy road where there was a dry cleaner's. He came back with a coat hanger. He popped the lock. Jess, out of breath, still, he said, Thank you. Let me go get you a 12-pack of beer. The man said, I don't drink. You don't have to do anything for me. Jess goes on his way. Every day thereafter, the homeless man is not there. He never sees him again. I said, yes, this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You saw the homeless man as one who needed help. And you as Most all of us, whenever we hear this parable, we identify with the people who are going down the road with the power to stop and help, with the choice to stop, to help, to choose whether or not we have time or priority to stop and help a person in need. Just thought he had the capacity to choose. He thought that he had the power to stop and give aid. I said, Jess, you weren't the man coming down the road. You were the one in the ditch. This homeless man was actually the good Samaritan in this story. And the truth is, we are all on our way to something, aren't we? Busyness is uh, not only part of our culture, but it's celebrated in our culture our daily plan, our agenda, our commitments, our priorities. We have it all from the time we wake up, exactly what we want to do all day long and what time everything is going to happen. And we're usually too busy to be interrupted. Is it possible that our commitments and our priorities, the success that we believe our priorities are driving us towards? 
We can't be late. We have an important business meeting to make. Is it possible that these things have robbed us and left us in a ditch, in desperate need of a Savior? That we have been spiritually robbed and wounded by our to-dos, unconscious of our need, as Jesse was unconscious of his need for help, in need of a Savior. It's actually the awakening of our prone position in our spiritual ditches that enables us. It's what enables us to identify and relate to other human beings. It's what enables us to have a shared humanity as children of God with those that are the hardest for us to love, those with whom we have the deepest division, the greatest disagreements, that when we recognize our vulnerability and our absolute need for Christ that we can accomplish the obligation of loving our neighbor, the stranger, the hard to love, the one who curses us, who hates us. And satisfy Jesus' command to love our neighbors as ourselves, And then with humility and grace and charity, we can sacrifice our time, priorities, even our dignity and respectability to help those in need. So what is your priority? Bandaging wounds? Being generous with your money? To do good to the stranger? Build relationship with someone who's in your path every day. I don't know. I don't know. And I cannot be the one to tell you. Only the Holy Spirit can move you to that. But I can tell you what Jesus said should be our number one priority. And the one priority that can guide us in the way we are to live in love Jesus said, this is in Luke, back up about five chapters. Four chapters. Don't ask me to do math. Luke 6. Make God your priority. He says what? Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Make God your priority. Seek first. And then you will know how to intervene in love for your neighbor We do this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I ask you to bow your heads as I pray. Lord of all, as we come together today in worship, help us remember those who are in need. Whether they are facing hunger or violence or illness or loneliness, we lift them up to you and pray that they might know you. And Lord, help us to be the witnesses to your great love so that each of our brothers and sisters might see the love of Christ in us and our actions. Guide us and use us to transform this world that is racked with so much conflict. We ask that you give us patience with one another and determination to help. Fill us with joy as we are guided by your words and examples. Lord, help us remember that we are in need also of you. 
We are grateful, God, for the gift of church that we are here today and that we have the privilege of worshiping you in comfort and peace and in the fellowship of one another. God, help us to be grateful for this and to be intentional about our presence and our prayers, our witness, our gifts, and our service. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. And now as we respond to that great love, I'll invite our ushers to come forward so that we may be intentional about our gifts and ourselves in offering them to Christ. Lord, as we present you with our offerings of ourselves and our gifts, we ask that you bless and multiply them for the kingdom. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.
Children of God, as you go forth from this place, go to do love, to show mercy and loving kindness. But first, seek the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.